Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. I'm so fortunate to have with me Nicole Golovsky, who is the founding partner of the production company Culture House. And um, now we have coming, uh, growing up to look forward to, which is a hybrid docu-series for Disney Plus, which she serves as a showrunner and as a director for one of the episodes for um, it is scheduled to premiere on Disney Plus Day, which is September 8th. Nicole, thanks so much for chatting with me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Max. So I'd love to start at the beginning of this project. What was the inspiration behind developing this series of common adolescent challenges? Was this something that was sort of born out of Culture House? Was this something that Brie came to you with? How did this all begin? Yeah, I think that's a a bit of an intertwined story. I think that the reason why Brie found us at Culture House is we share an agent uh, with WME. And so um, we were introduced and she had this north star of an idea that we always stuck close to the development of a show just goes in so many different directions but she really wanted to make a show that addressed shame and reduced shame and uh and so that was our north star the whole time uh she met with a bunch of different production companies but i think the reason why we ended up partnering so well at culture house is because that's kind of a core element of the storytelling that we like to do we like to share stories that you haven't heard before from voices you haven't typically heard before and so we found a lot of synergy in what we were trying to do and so then we partnered together and then that being like began the development process of how do we actually do that in a show that is authentic to watch, but also entertaining and is kind of meets the mark of what what the different streamers wanted to see. And we, we ended up with Disney plus, which is amazing. And we're so excited. Mm -hmm. Um, And could you share a bit about um, when you were working with Brie, what were sort of um, the lived experiences that, compelled her to want to tell these sort of stories and um, work in collaboration with a production company like you to um, magnify the issues that adolescents go through? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to speak too much for Brie, but I know that, you know, in some of the writing that we've done together for the show, it was really, you know, her stories that she was driving one day and it really just hit her and weighed on her how much shame she was living with and she was like if i'm living with this much shame like everybody else around me must be too and that kind of started this process of her just talking to people and being like what do you feel shame about and what do you feel shame about and this is what i feel shame about and everybody kind of one when they put it all out there they were like oh maybe we don't need to be feeling this much shame about these things um one of the things that she was really passionate about talking about was menstruation and so you're going to see that in her episode i think a lot of women feel extremely uh shameful about having their period when it's something that half the population does and that we go through our days trying to hide it or not being open about it or being open about what it does to us our bodies our brains Uh, And so uh, we were really excited for her episode to find two young women that really addressed the stigma of menstruation uh, in their community and made waves uh, throughout legislation as well. Mm -hmm. 
One of the stories I really want to highlight is um, the story that you directed, which is um, Alex and her um, struggle with depression. You, I, that really started in sixth grade when you know middle school began. Can you speak to what um, compelled you to want to not just direct one of the episodes, but direct um, Alex's story in particular? Yeah, I think so. One of the first producers that I brought onto the project was Kishori Rajan, and Kishori is an amazing producer, and she was a showrunner, uh, one of the showrunners for uh, HBO's Random Acts of Flyness. And so this was my first time showrunning, so I wanted a really seasoned person to help me kind of build the process and, and build the team. And as we were looking at it, the common overlap that we both had um, was mental health in in the topics that were most interesting to us. And so when we started to establish all the directors, it kind of became apparent that it would be great if Kishori and I could direct an episode together. And so we all wanted the directors to have similar lived experiences and have an intimate kind of knowledge of the topics that they were addressing. And both Kishori and I had that intimate knowledge uh, with both loved ones and friends experiencing depression, as well as some in our own personal history as well. And so we definitely wanted, uh, so that felt the most rife for us to to be able to direct together. Um, Alex actually is a story, um, I was working uh, with some short form storytelling um, many years ago. Oh. Um, and when Alex was, um, I believe, about 14, uh, I made a short film with her. And so, uh, and her story just always stuck out to me. There's a particularly powerful moment um, with her mother when she finally is able to tell her mother how she's feeling. Um, that even when I would think about it uh, many years later, it brought tears to my eyes. So I decided to just reconnect with her and say, hey, Alex, what are you doing? And she's still a mental health advocate, very into art, if you've seen the episode. Um, and we ended up speaking with her and felt that she was a right fit to be able to expand her story into a longer form. Yeah, absolutely. And with all these years later to sort of like look back at her struggle and look at it now as such a success story in terms of where she's at now. Um, it, it was so compelling to watch just within that, you know, 20 odd minute um, arc of an episode. Um, so with with Alex, you sort of went back to after working with her several years ago. Um, but I'd love to know how you found um, the other, you know, young people in this um, series. Was it through you know, social media? Or was it also um, connections that other your colleagues made with young people in the past, similar to Alex? Yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting uh, mix, actually. So we really started our casting process with the topics and we really hadn't didn't have the show defined until we were in production. We were, you know, we knew we were going to capture these amazing stories. There's a few ideas for other kind of segments that could pop in. But then when we realized the wealth uh, and the beauty of the stories that we were capturing and just how incredible these young people are, we decided that that was enough to sustain an episode. Um, and so anyway, we started just by having a lot of conversations with young people. So, and we parallel processed that to like picking the topics that we knew we wanted to address. So we knew we wanted to address body issues, uh, body image issues. We knew we wanted to address mental health. We knew we wanted to address, um, the LGBTQ community, um, and growing up experiences in that same thing with, um, 
how I talked about before with menstruation, we knew we wanted to have stories in the, in these kind of buckets. And so we just started researching. So we did a lot of kind of researching through social media hashtags. We found a lot of people through Instagram. Um, we put out a little bit of a casting call with a, a casting agency asking young people. So we went through different kind of universities and after school programs and things like that. We knew we wanted to have not minors. Um, we, we wanted to be in that kind of sweet spot of 18 to 22, where young people were old enough to have been able to reflect on their experiences, but not still in it. Cause sometimes right. it's really difficult. You don't exactly know where you're going, but, um, and obviously everybody's still growing up. I'm still growing up. You're still growing Like yeah. we're, we're not in any way trying to say, Oh, and it's fixed and everything's great. Uh, but we wanted a little bit more clarity on looking back into the experiences. And so, yeah, so that was kind of our criteria. We had the the topic that we knew we wanted to address and we knew the age range. Um, and then we just started, we talked to hundreds of young people to hear their stories. Um, I will shout out our Culture House interns were also like, I know the people that you need. And so two of our heroes in this season, Amiri and Sage, uh, came from uh, our amazing uh, intern Zari, who's wow. an incredible filmmaker in her own right and appears actually in the series now too because of her uh, closeness with Sage. And so it was really, uh, yeah, so it was kind of a little bit of who who you know, uh, a little bit of um, local research, like um, local news research. So we found Gavin through an amazing story out of a Denver local site. Um, and then a lot of, uh, Instagram. Yeah. That's so funny that you bring up interns too, because, um, you know, the, the method for which you decided to find these young people, you had these, um, topics that you already knew from the get-go you wanted to sort of fill in a young person for, but I would assume, you know, since this is, you know, a younger generation, like Gen Z, um, you might've, um, you know, learned of other topics that young people might be going through that you might not necessarily be aware of because, you know, you're not in that 18 to 22 range. Was there anything maybe you learned of topics you weren't aware of that adolescents um, went through that sort of opened your eyes up to what else to explore? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it were cultural lessons that I learned um, as well. So it wasn't just youth. I think, I, I think that a lot of the issues that came to the surface are issues that you haven't heard about in mainstream media because the right voices haven't been telling those stories. I think one of the most uh, two of the most eye-opening stories for me um Vanessa is our first episode and she goes through um, wanting to lighten her skin. Mm -hmm. um, and that was something that I had no understanding of before uh, making the show and hearing her story. Um, and Ekwa Masingi, who directed her story, is from, she's from Kenya and, and has made an incredible feature, uh, Farewell Amore. And she was really attracted to Vanessa's story because that's a really prevalent thing um, in Africa and in some places um, in Europe and Asia as well uh, and in America too. Um, but it's just not given that much of a voice um, in mainstream. And so that was really eye-opening as well as 
Um, I mean, I could go on and on and on actually about all the things that I learned. I was just, yeah. I was just so happy to learn it, but also um, with Emily, the conversation around disability and just being floored by all of my ableist ideas and ableist tendencies and this mistaking of compassion for pity and like, and how, how to differentiate those and not pity people that are in certain situations, but actually become a real peer and ally and friend. Um, and I think that a lot of times those ideas get confused and we, in a nuanced way, I think address that in Emily's episode. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know that a key focus for this series, for you, for Brie, but also just for Culture House as a whole, was having women and people of color at the forefront of the series, both behind the camera, of course, but also in terms of the group of young people we see. It's majority minority. It's, you know, I would assume majority female. Um, yeah. So can you... Um, share why it was important to have such a wide spectrum of different types of young people at the forefront of these stories, in addition to having that a similar um, makeup behind the camera? Yeah, I think that just one of our key pillars of Culture House is to feature voices that just haven't had haven't been given uh, the opportunity to, to speak about things. And so that was huge for us. And I think that What's really interesting is that, and this is, I think, a, a larger conversation in like the filmmaking world right now anyway, is just that the more specific you get, the more universal you get as well. And so because when you get down to the core of those things, it's these really specific human emotions. But we really wanted to, you know, and then our incredible partners at Disney were just so on board with everything that we wanted to do and how we wanted to make this show and the voices that we wanted to feature. And just knowing and hearing from a lot of these kids that they didn't really have the role models on Disney to look up to. Like they didn't have the versions of themselves to see. Um, they kind of had the same thing over and over again. And now they get to be the people on Disney that other young people around the country and around the world can look to and say, oh my God, that's that's like me. That's my story. That's what I look like. That's how I feel. Um, but I say that knowing that everybody is going to relate to the stories regardless of that. But it, it's really important. I think the the you have to see it to be it um, mentality. Uh, and then for behind the camera, what was really interesting. Uh, so Brie directed the hangout segment, and that's the one with all of all of the heroes, in addition to directing her own episode. Uh, and one of her anecdotes that that she talks about um, that we were all there for uh, during the hangout is like, oh my God, this set is amazing. Like everybody looks like me. This is awesome. Like filmmaking has evolved. And Brie was like, mm, it hasn't. That's this set. Uh, and it's not it's not always like this. Uh, and so, but we knew that we were asking young people to be extremely vulnerable on camera with a lot of the things that they were sharing uh, and knew that we wanted people with similar lived experiences in the room so that they felt like they could authentically be themselves. And, uh, and also I think that it's really important when you're making a show like this, that the behind the camera, those perspectives matter. Like that matters when you're lighting, like our, our gaffer was incredible and just knew how to 
light in all different sorts of scenarios, all different types of backgrounds, all different types of skin tones. And like, not everybody can do that. And she, um, and she was just amazing. Um, so yeah, I think that it both was extremely important to us for who was in front of the camera, but that really dictated that we absolutely, and that's a culture house pillar as well, that whoever is behind the camera has those similar shared uh, lived experiences. Yeah. Yes. Lighting people and also hair and makeup people, of course. So it's, it's amazing how, you know, whoever's in front of the camera does have that same impact behind the camera. Um, And, you know, through this series, you are championing this reputation, but as you mentioned, it's not sacrificing at all the universality of these stories and the fact that these challenges that these young people go through, everyone can identify with. So um, yeah, that's amazing to see. Um, I want to ask about the technique for which you shot this film, because it definitely employs like a very experimental narrative style in which it's like a hybrid docu-series. And you have these sort of moments, you have, you know, the moments where for example, Alex is speaking to the camera, sharing her story, but then we see um, actors reenact these situations that she would be in over the years um, throughout childhood or middle school. Um, so can you share the decision to go with this method of storytelling to share these young people's stories? Yeah, I think that uh, part of that story is born out of COVID. I think that we were supposed to be out with young people going through pivotal moments uh, in real time. Uh, we sold the show in November 2019, we were about to start shooting in March 2020, and then everything changed. And in the summer of 2020, uh, we were talking with Disney and, and, you know, and we were working with Brie to be like, how can we still do this with the world as it is now? And Disney was like, can you do it in a studio so that we can kind of, um, you know, make sure that we have control over the environments and and have a really rigorous testing process and all of that. And um, and we were like, let's let let us come back to you. And so we uh, we went back to the drawing board with Bree, and we were like, what if we brought to life those pivotal moments instead of following them in real time? We hear about them and we bring them we bring them to life in whatever way we can. Uh, and we we decided that that was the way to go. Disney were like, okay, let's do it. And then it really, really came to life into what it is now with our DP, Christine Ng, and our production designer, uh, Emmeline Wilkes-Dupoe, where we were definitely under budgetary constraints and we had to just figure out how do we do this so that it doesn't feel like, oh, they only did that because they didn't have money, but how but what is a world that we can create that actually serves the purpose? And so we kind of have these different worlds that we built that stay the same for every character, but the set dressing and the design changes and the color theory, which our cinematographer, Christine, was just really passionate about um, changes per person, kind of even echoing that idea that like at the core, those base things are the same because we're all human, but then like the different experiences that get decorated on top of that are are what changes. And so it was a really, really collaborative experience. Everybody on the show was an artist. Like they just wanted to bring all of themselves and all of their experiences to it. Our prop master was incredible. Our grip is also a sculptor, you know, like it was just one of those things where it was this 
incredible team that was able to pull off pull this off under such difficult time constraints and it and uh budgetary constraints yeah well I, I it really worked for me and it's something where when you're watching it you don't get a sense of COVID or you know the pandemic of the last couple of years having any impact on what you're seeing visually on screen and it's a technique that um I feel like you've seen before over the years for this sort of like hybrid docu-series yeah. so it was really neat to see it um in this aspect with you know bringing these young people's stories to life visually um I know this wasn't um brought up earlier um and you shared how Brie and Culture House connected, but could you also share how Disney Plus came into the picture and how um, why they responded so much to the project? Yeah, I think that that Disney and Brie, you know, as, as she's Captain Marvel and done really incredible work with Disney, I think Disney was always, you know, on Brie's radar being like, hey, Brie, like, we would really love to do whatever you want to do. We would love to see if there's a way to do it. So we all we always knew that Disney was going to be interested in what we were trying to do. Um, we did take it out to a few other outlets that were like, mm, we don't know, like, I don't know if there's an audience for that. We don't know if it can be done or it's impossible or whatever. We've actually been reflecting on that in our group thread, like, oh, remember that show that yeah. everybody was possible? Well, here it is. Um, and so, uh, but Disney really believed in it and believed in us. Um, it, it's interesting, the executive that, that green like greenlit it, I uh, moved over to Netflix shortly after it happened. But uh, but we were just so thankful. Dan Silver, we're just so thankful to him for really believing uh, in us and in the project. And then uh, the woman that took the torch from him, Marjan Javadi, just was a fierce advocate for the show um, and for everything that we were trying to do, and just got everything um, over the line. And so the whole the whole team at Disney branded television. Um, has just been extraordinary uh, to to work with, and everything that we thought we were gonna, we're like, we're pushing a boundary here for Disney. They're like, let's do it, let's do it, and they're and they were like very open to all the things that we wanted to do that we thought was were gonna be a little too edgy for Disney, right. but they were so embracing. Um, and yeah, it and being out and having shows at other networks uh it is it's a different experience working with disney they're they've been really really good uh to work with in this sense uh especially when you're trying to do something new a lot of people i think say they want to try to do something new but uh but don't really then follow through on that whereas disney really allowed us to be creative and, and to try to do new things no, absolutely. When I was watching, you know, I obviously got a sneak peek of the episodes when I was watching this. It definitely was something that I've never seen live on Disney Plus in the three years that they've existed. So this yeah. is absolutely is bring, bring something um, totally original um, to the series, addressing these real issues, um, which is important. Um, well, your reach after three years of working on this, it's finally coming out September 8th, which is a big day for um, the streaming service since, you know, it's a big promotional day for the company. Yeah. Um, but I want to sort of ask about upcoming projects that you're working on now or um, soon to be working on. I know that you have the hair tales um, in collaboration with Oprah and Tracy Ellis Ross for Hulu, along with a Netflix series. I believe you're currently working on about race and gender and, America. So could you touch on um, sort of these couple projects, but also anything else that you're able to share? 
Yeah, I'm not allowed to talk about the Netflix project okay. as much, but that's coming out uh, next year. Again, a lens uh, into uh, stories that you haven't heard before. Um, and then the Hair Tales has been uh, amazing as well. So that's in delivery right now. We just delivered our first master uh, over to Hulu, uh, but that's going to feature Oprah and uh, Tracy Ellis Ross, Issa Rae uh, is in it, Chloe Bailey, Ayanna Presley. Um, it's been a really uh, amazing show to see come to life um, as well. And so that's about Black women's hair and Black beauty and uh, and hearing someone's life story. So each episode features um, a woman and we hear their life story through the different hairstyles uh, that they've had. Um, and so then we have different experts and these salon segments come into play uh, as well. And uh, it's going to be a really uh, impactful series. Yeah. And it sounds like a similar style to to growing up in terms of a different focus for each episode, yeah. um, which is cool to see. And will we expect to see that later this year, top of next year? Yep. Okay. Um, October 22nd is nice. when it's hitting. That's great. So yeah. it never stops. Just September and Disney Plus, October on Hulu. Right. Um, it never stops. You're just conquering all the streaming platforms. <laughs> Netflix is next. Yeah. Um, well, that's great to hear. Um, th yeah. Nicole, thanks so much for um, taking the time and congratulations again on growing up and these projects that we have to look forward to from you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Max. It was so great to talk to you. Of and I'm uh, so glad you enjoyed the series. Yes, I did very much. Have a great rest of your day. Right. You too. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to The Hollywood Podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.